Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, good evening and welcome to this week's More Over podcast, the only rugby podcast that gives you all the news, views and opinion on the weekend's rugby action, all the West Country accent. You can find us on Twitter, we are at More Over Podcast, we are More Over Rugby Podcast on Facebook. You can see all of our content on uh, Anchor, as well as uh, on lots of other mediums, such as Apple Podcasts and Google Store and Spotify and all of that sort of stuff. Um, we're doing something a little bit different tonight. So obviously, if you're already recording or listening to recording the podcast, you'll be able to see it now. But there will be a recorded live stream of this week's Small Over podcast. So we will, yeah, if, you, uh, if you're listening and you are watching the live stream, then please go and ask us some questions because we want to... Uh, to get those answered this evening, do something a little bit different. I am joined by Doug. How you doing, Doug? I'm good, mate. How are you? Good, mate. Don't good. care. You don't care how I am. That's nice. No. That's nice. You're wearing a you're wearing a super nice jersey uh, this evening, mate. What's that from? Countess Manacal. I don't know if I've said that right, but as we all know, there's no shirt better than a tricolored hoop. A tricolor. Yep. Excellent. It's also too big for me. Actually, um, yeah, I, might, I might mail it to you. Well, there's all there's always um, adult size or junior size shirts you can wear, mate. I don't think you're funny, mate. Oh, definitely funny, mate. Definitely. <laughs> um, I'm also joined by uh, Ben. How you doing, Ben? Yeah, I'm all right. Thanks, mate. You? Yeah, good. Thank you. Good. Um, I've just how we... just got a high street polo on, so. Standard high street polo. Yeah. You might, you might at least, at least you've got a decent haircut. For those of you that that were sharp eyed and you may have seen, or may not have seen Doug before, um, you've got a very, very sharp haircut going on there, mate. Well, you know, it's tell, uh, tell us what it is. I, I believe the kids call it a skin fade. A skin fade. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> you know, I'm just hanging on, mate, by my fingertips. <laughs> Jeez, I I don't know what to say to you. About you've that. just you've just gone for the skin, right? <laughs> yeah, I've just yeah. I've, there's no fade. It just yeah. it actually the the fade is from from beard to yeah to bald. Um, You're an embarrassment, son. I think that faded long ago. Oh, longer than I care to than I care to imagine, mate. But that's that's children for you. You've got it all to come, Ben. One day. Um, so as we've already established, Ben is the one uh, is the guy in the Marks and Spencer's polo shirt, and Doug is the one with a shit haircut. So uh, <laughs> for those for those of you for those of you that actually it's the first time you may have seen us on our live stream, and uh, if you just listen to the podcast, that that that's who we are. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I am finding it really really hard to um get into rugby at the moment or to get into the competitions to get into it's like post world cup doldrums it's just like good job you don't do a rugby podcast isn't it well it is but but my point remains that it's just we had the world cup so we had premiership cup didn't we and then we had uh the world cup stuff then the premiership and then some two weeks of europe then two weeks of premiership then two weeks of europe and it's just, it's just a bit hard to get into. Are you boys feeling like that or not really? Can't say that I am really, mate. I don't know what you're on about. It's okay, not really mate. the way to start a podcast, is it? I don't know about <laughs> you lot, but I don't really like rugby. <laughs> <laughs> That's not I'm, what I mean, though, is it? Stick I'm, around, I'm a, listeners. <laughs> I'm, a little, I'm a little bit with you, Russ. Yeah, it's just been a bit stop-start, isn't it? I, I do find the the first couple of rounds of Europe can be quite hard work anyway, because you don't quite know which, which of the French sides are bothering. And um, there's too many, there's too many teams in it. Basically Bath would be better off not being in the tournament. Same with <laughs> Quinns, Harlequins, Northampton's, Saracens, Wasps. What does yeah. that tell you about English rugby clubs? <laughs> <laughs> Europe needs more of them. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, brilliant. But, you know, I think it'll get to Christmas and the, the league will start to take shape and um, you get towards the sort of quarterfinals of Europe and then and then we'll all be back in the swing of it and the Six Nations is, will probably rescue us as well. Um, but I do I do get what you're saying, Russ. It's, it's, it's a little bit after the Lord Mayor's show at the moment. Yeah, it, it is because of the, the, the highs of the World Cup, I guess. It was just... Yeah, just bringing us back down to earth with a bit of a bump. That's all. Um, let's talk about a little bit about rugby, um, as that's what we're here to do. It's kind of traditional. Um, we're hopeful that the the housewife's favourite for all you ladies watching, uh, the housewife's favourite might join us in a little while. But he's been at a uh, child's carol concert this evening at the school ch- at the church near the school. So. Uh, Unfortunately for you guys, at the moment, you're just stuck with uh, Richard from Guess Who, a man with a shit, shit skin fade and somebody in a Marks and Spencer's polo. So <laughs> let's uh, let's crack on. Um, Friday night. Friday night was uh, Bath Claremont, wasn't it? Ben, did you manage to catch any of your uh, beloved Bath on Friday evening at home to Claremont? No, I didn't bother. Oh, <laughs> really? Oh, amazing. Um yeah, like I say, they'd be better off not being in it. They've got no players left as it is, so um, you know, knock a few more injuries up on a on a Friday night against uh, 
a French team that's probably going to give you a proper paste in. So, um, no, I, I was out on Friday, so I didn't, I didn't manage to see it. I, by all accounts, they, they put up quite a good performance, at least in the first half, but um, it was a fairly comfortable um, win for the, for the French team in the end. So um, I don't think I missed a lot. No, and and you you pretty well your uh, your summation without even seeing it was was pretty accurate. Bath Bath are struggling as we all know with injuries. They've got people missing that we don't really know um, when a lot of those players are going to be back either. And it's almost a it's almost a competition that Bath could do without, isn't it? With all of their struggles in in the Premiership at the moment, and they they just don't need. They don't need to be playing teams like Claremont on a Friday night on a heavy pitch at the wreck. It's just, it's always, always going to be hard work for them. Um, and like you say, the, the depleted squad is not, is not ideal. Um, in that pool, though, if we stick, if we stick to that pool, um, oh God, I'm, I ought to have prepared this a bit better, than I? Because what I've ended up doing is trying to do loads of things at once with this live stream and, uh, and the podcast. So apologies if it sounds a little bit disjointed this evening. Um, elsewhere in that pool was uh, Ulster, wasn't it? And they, and they were, oh, I'm, I'm, having a, I'm having a shocker, mate. I'm having a shocker. Ulster played Quinns on the Saturday um, and a last minute John Cooney penalty actually gave them the win in that game a much improved performance from the Quins. Alex Dombrandt coming back has, has really made a difference to their ability to go forward um, Sinclair came back in this week as well and they look like a lot more a lot more of a cohesive unit so good job for the Quins. unfortunately to say not coming away with a win but they will take a lot of credit and a lot of heart, heart from that performance Um that that last penalty was a bit daft. Um, That's ridiculous, isn't it? And and he he'd been trying to give away a penalty for about the previous three minutes, um, <laughs> so it didn't come as a big surprise. And it was a shame because they were defending pretty well at the point. Um, and it was a fairly simple penalty. I, I say that as someone who would have missed it easily, but you know, for a, a decent goal kicker, it was you know pretty much straight in front of the post. So um, it was a big shame for him because they um, they did you know, put in a, a fairly good shift there. Yeah. Um, I haven't got too much more to say about, about that pool, about the, about those teams at the moment. It's looking, um, it's looking like Ulster and Claremont will battle it out for, for top spot. Although obviously Claremont lost uh, in Ulster the other week. So Claremont do sit in pole position, obviously with a double header round of fixtures to come this weekend. Um, Let's go to pool one. Leon versus Benetton was 28-0. Leon didn't see any of it. Can't say I care too much about it, if I'm honest. A French team and an Italian team. been gold so far. (laughs) Well, what what I'm leading to, mate, is obviously the rugby expert, a guy that actually went to the game. And it was probably, fixture-wise... One of the game, the game of the the weekend, the place to be if you were a, a rugby fan at Franklin's Gardens, um, an informed Leicester, oh, fuck off, mate, an informed <laughs> Northampton against Leinster. I'm, honestly, mate, I'm having an absolute shit show here. Well, welcome <laughs> to any new fans, <laughs> any new listeners. Enjoy. 
Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Leicester, you know, they've got problems, haven't they? <laughs> well, they are. Not, not as many as I have at the moment, though, by the looks of things. Yeah. It's, it was a typical Leinster in Europe game. They uh, Almost the same as when you play Saracens at, at your own place. They You sort of stick with them for half a game and then they just accelerate. The problem, with, the problem Saints had with that game was they just weren't clinical enough. They could have scored a lot of tries. Um, Tom Collins could have had one in the first half. We were knocking on the door a few times and then gave away penalties. Um, the more the more of these games I watch, the more I'm absolutely convinced that when you get an opportunity of a penalty in the opposition half, there is no point going for sticks. You have to score more. You know, you have to score more points because if you play Leinster or Saris in any game, they're going to score tries and you need to match them. And penalties aren't going to keep. They're, they're going to keep the scoreboard ticking over, but you're never going to get enough of them to keep up with the teams. Leinster seemed to, any time they got into the Northampton 22, would just steamroller and then end up over the line. Northampton, it was a, a sort of, I don't know, the, the incisiveness wasn't there. I think they, Tuala played at fullback because Furbank was injured with a head knock and he's not good enough. Uh, he doesn't. He doesn't offer the attacking threat that Fur, Furbank does. Um, I think he's, you know, his race is run really as a saint, as I've been saying for many, many years. So, yeah, the, the the long and short of it is, if you want to match those teams, you've got to score as many points as possible with the opportunities you're given. And kicking penalties when you've, you know, you, you win a penalty five meters out against Leinster you're not you're just not going to win games I think there there's got to be in in American sports analytics are playing a big part now and I think the more technical and statistic based the analysis of these games get the more they're going to realize that you have to you have to score more points yeah every time you go into the opposition 22 against teams like Leinster, you've got to come away with more than three points. You cut; it's not going to cut it. Yeah, and it's that... a bit, bit, bit humbling, really. So forty odd points to sixteen wasn't really a fair reflection, but you could tell once Saints, once the game had gone past sort of, you know, past the point of recovery, Saints just sort of dropped off and almost gave up, really, and they gave away two tries late on. Um. It's it's interesting. I saw um, Frankel Dino on Twitter, one of our um, long-time followers, has, he tweeted in, it was a ridiculous stat, which was James Ryan has played more games for Ireland than he has pro 14 games for Leicester. Uh, Leinster, fuck Stop me. saying Leinster. Stop saying Leicester. What's wrong with they're, you? They're, they're shit. Nobody cares. Um, yeah, he's played more games for Ireland than he has pro 14 games for Leinster. Um and it's rumoured, obviously, that the GB League, if that does come off, do you think the likes of Sexton, Henshaw, Ringrose, you know, your Kean Healy's, the, these players that don't play very much Pro 14 at the moment, would you think they would have to change their entire outlook if if there was a new, if that new league was to be brought into play? Well, it depends on what the qualifying structure for Europe is and if they'd even bother with the European tournament. 
True. Um, but surely the European, if they, if they had a, the GB League, there would if be. If you have what? a GB League, it'd have to be two divisions, and I can't see any of those regions signing up to something that they'd be in Division Two of. Well, they'd be in Division Two because you need eighteen teams from England, Ireland, Scotland, and Wales to qualify for Europe. So that would suggest that you need two two nine team no you'd need an 18 team division which isn't going to happen and then what do you do with the south african teams and it's it's nonsense it's not going to happen um it might happen with the welsh teams i could see the welsh teams being invited in but then you've got problems with the rfu pyramid structure where do they fit into that if they get relegated where do they go they ring fence it what happens to the team it's just not going to happen mate Ben, you got any thoughts on that? Um, no, well, I think Doug's right. I mean, I, I don't think any of those Irish players would have a particular problem with having to play more games. Um, you know, rugby players want to play rugby games at the end of the day, as long as you're not forcing them out, you know, once every three days or something like that. Um, I think... Didn't help them yeah. at the World Cup either, did it? Well, no, it didn't. But then they just weren't playing very well, were they? But they weren't playing very well for six to 12 months beforehand. So... I don't know if that was the number of games or just that they they peaked. Um, you know, I just think, you know, they, they started playing rugby for a reason. So I don't think that there would be a huge amount of issues amongst the players if they were asked to play more games. But I think Doug's right that that league sounds like a absolute can of worms. So stick away from it, really. Unless they go down, unless they, they create some franchises from the premiership teams and then just operate like a super rugby tournament in lieu of a premiership which controlled by the unions, which could happen. That could work. So what you'd have like a, yeah, like a Northern, a Northern franchise, a Midlands, a London based, a Southwest based with, with a a couple of Welsh based, a Scottish based and and a couple couple of Irish. Just say, well, well, look, which premiership team owners want to do this, you can buy in. We'll subsidise wages and we'll make it so that if you play for these franchises, you get the highest wages you can possibly get. And then that will draw players away from the existing teams. And then they almost become secondary and fit into a promotion relegation structure within the RFU framework. And then the Super Rugby sort of tournament, you know, maybe four from... England, two from Wales, three from Ireland, two from Scotland. That would so work, I wouldn't it? I, I don't think Connor, I don't think the RRFU would want Connor or would want to pay for a Connor team in that sort of format. Maybe they would. I don't think Wales could support the four teams. No, but if you had, if you had two from the four sides in Ireland, you had two from the four sides in Wales. One from the Scottish, and then three or five from England. So it'd probably be five, wouldn't it? A Northern, Midlands, London, Southwest. So you, you would have you would have an odd number there, wouldn't you? Um, yeah. And then and yeah. then create a a might of ten type tournament underneath it. Underneath it, I I. I'd love to see some of the board meetings at the Bath stroke Bristol stroke Gloucester fratricides or whatever that 
Yeah, but cool. Bath, Bath, Bristol, Bath, Bristol, Gloucester would still be teams in their own right. They just wouldn't be the, you know, the Premiership would still operate, but there'd mm. be re- there'd be regional franchise Super Rugby as the elite level, yeah, league, system, league teams. Because what seems to be happening at the moment, Pe- was... people are always going to go and watch Bristol Bath, aren't they, or Bristol, or Gloucester Bath? They're always going to watch that, regardless of what players are playing. Would you not? Do you not is think? That, is that is that um, would there would Bristol fill out Ashton Gate if they didn't have Nathan Hughes and? No, but you would suggest that if they were going to do a franchise for the Southwest, that Lansdowne would buy it because that's what he wants to do. True, he's got money to do it. It would be his franchise. And likewise, in the South, Nigel Ray would probably do the Saracens, and they'd probably be called Saracens. You know, and then there'd be a Midlands team that would be an amalgamation of Leicester, Wasps, Wasps Leicester. Yeah. You know. Well, I, 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 you, I don't. It's the only I, way I can see it working that the R, RFU actually says you have to play for one of these franchises to be eligible for England selection. Yeah. And I don't, I don't mind that in essence. I, I haven't got any huge objections to it. I just think it, the I feel like to a certain extent the Premiership is becoming diluted by the amount of games that the elite level players play. So we're already we're already seeing less and less of that. So why not put them all together in in an elite competition? Yeah, I mean I. I... And then actually, the people are not going to stop supporting Northampton, and they're not going to stop supporting Leicester. And they're probably going to go and want to watch the elite level competition as well. So you'd have to run it in opposition to the season of the domestic stuff. So, but you could you could do that, couldn't you? Because if you've got Super Rugby running from February or January through till June, is it something like that? It's mm-hmm. something like that, isn't it? What about if you had a, a similar Northern Hemisphere competition running from September to January, and then and then obviously those guys. Um, Depended on the games. I mean, what was it? Super 14, Super Rugby, Super however many teams they got in that now. If you've only got, what, four, let's say four, five, six, seven, eight, eight or nine. So say you had a 10, let's say you had a 10 franchise tournament with a home and away. So 18 games. No... um, European competition, or you 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 get a couple of French franchises, and you make it you make it like a proper super tournament, like they have done with um, Super Rugby, and you just make it a whole Northern Hemisphere super tournament. Then the French go into their league in January, England, you know, Wales, yeah, Ireland, they'll do I the same. Think if if the only argument for not doing it is that the boards of the various clubs will kick off and cause trouble, I don't think that's enough of a reason. If there's a valid reason for bringing in a UK league, then nobody considered Oral and West Hartlepool when they made the premiership, did they? They just went, we're making the premiership, you leave a sink or swim. Yeah. If the RFU wanted to get control of the players back, they could literally just say, right, we're funding a super, we're funding franchises. If you want to play for the franchises, that's where the money's going to be. We're not going to fund the premiership anymore. You can go and do what you want with it. We're doing this. Makes sense. 
I don't. I don't see. As I say I don't see any opposition to that personally. And I mean, for Wales, it would make perfect sense because all the all the regions would go into that, and they could just have their own Welsh league, and and that would be the pinnacle of Welsh rugby. That you know, it wouldn't be a, a secondary tournament. Yeah, and let's face it, the the Dragons have been second class citizens for for quite a while. Yeah, you wonder um, how many games the Dragons would win in the Welsh Prem. Yeah, well. You'd have to argue, and, and depending on how that league would be set up, you would you would find if you think of and the the development of the players. So you wouldn't need the A League anymore because the development of the players that would be available in in those development leagues. I mean, obviously, the would still play, play the, rugby. The, the level of the Premiership would drop, but I think the tangible benefits would be the elite players would play less games. Therefore, you'd have more time to play Lions tours. You'd have more time to prepare for England rugby or Wales rugby or Scotland. And the clubs would still, the clubs will still exist. If the premiership, if if they did this tomorrow, the premiership would still exist. It just wouldn't have the elite level players. And you could, you could also add to that is that, well, the offset of the money they may lose over the gate, which doesn't pay for the marquee players' wages. Let's be frank about that. The money that they come the money that they generate through the clubs or however they, they earn money, though that doesn't pay for their marquee players. It doesn't pay for your Hughes's and your Rajradas and your um Fekitoas and You're getting your... right into this Fekitoas and putting S's and multiples of people. You're doing that quite a lot at the moment, Russ. Am I? Yeah, your baths and your exters. Thanks. There's only, there's only one of them, mate. I know, but you you know you know what I mean. <laughs> but the money the money that they would save in not having to pay these elite players in Premiership would offset any potential losses that they would have commercially. Yeah, the the, the only thing stopping it would be boardroom shenanigans and it it would it would turn english rugby into the same version as welsh rugby it, and f- it, fans yeah fans wouldn't like it but the fans would get over it I and if you the and majority if you... of fans would get over it there'd be there'd be a oh, i've been going to leicester since 1936 and now we're a second class team and we're always the pinnacle it's, who cares mate yeah, and, yeah, and we're doing this for the betterment of the game, not 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 for your Leicester season and, ticket. And there's a prod, there's a there's a be- there would be a better product to offer. I mean, like a, yeah. let's say a super You'd have four... a higher concentration of of brilliant players. Yeah, imagine a top fourteen franchise or a top fourteen league that includes three, four French teams. You know, four French, four English. A Scottish, three Irish, and a Welsh, or whatever. You know, it would. It's almost like the existing competition. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Well, nothing will probably happen. But yeah, yeah, we've just made this up, Russ. Nothing's going to happen, mate. <laughs> That's true. But I like the idea. I like the idea personally. So I'm sticking with it. Um. Okay, then let's move on. Uh, more games on Saturday. Saw so, uh, La Rochelle. Lose at home to Glasgow in pool two. That's a pool extra sailor in. Um, Ospreys took another bum in at home to uh, Racing. 
But the game that uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about, Munster versus Saracens. Um, a question, some questions coming in regarding regarding this game and how Saracens managed to go to Tormund Park with basically a second second team and, and nearly pull off a victory. Um, Colin Searle on uh, on Twitter is is asked, but but possibly they weren't playing. Uh, so do they have a second team? that can stand up as a first team against most other clubs. So, uh, salary caps. Why is that? Though? <laughs> yeah. I mean, because of their brilliant academy and the fact they're always in hospitals handing out presents. I mean, the second teams go, it still did have a toe J in it. So it's not, it wasn't like bringing out the, the 15 year olds, was it? It was, um, you know, still a decent team. Um, I just, you know, I don't think they were ever going to get absolutely pasted. And it's a pretty filthy night as well. So it wasn't going to be a high scoring game. Um, but, you know, there's there's no doubt about it. They're not targeting the tournament at all. It was, yeah, they're, they're obviously not because they've got to concentrate on staying in the premiership, haven't they? They don't want to be uh, in a position where they, they could be facing relegation. But um, how I mean, would you the- feel as a fan if you went over there, you paid your money to go to Ireland, pay for your hotel, pay for your match tickets, and they stick out a second team. I think it's pretty insulting, to be honest, but, you know, it's pretty typical of them, isn't it? It's what, you know, they make no bones about it. So, you know, I know if if I, we all sit here and take the piss out of the French teams for putting up a second team and not really caring about the tournament and now it's, you know, oh, that's very French and this and that and taking the piss. And then with Saracens, it's like, oh, well, they're not targeting the tournament. So, you know, respect to them and all this. No, it's like, no. Now, how about having a bit of respect for your fans? How about having a bit of respect for the actual tournament and the game? Like, don't the arrogance of it is astonishing, if you ask me. <laughs> it's true. Uh- I mean, if you look at the spine of that team, though, you've, you've got Singleton at hooker, so that's England squad player. Skelton and Atoje. You've got Ray at eight with Earl and Ezekiel in the back row. Spencer at nine. Um, admittedly, you've got young Vinopola at 10, but they are short at 10s at the moment, other, other than Farrell, obviously. Um, Barrett, Lazowski. So, you know... It's not their best team, but it's not an academy team either. I think you know it would always compete against almost anyone. Um, but I just think that that they haven't. They almost have. They've almost got a pass, I think, from their fans this year, haven't they? Because I think their fans, a lot of them, still feel quite hard done by. So well, they aren't yeah, play- I mean, a lot, a lot of their fans are living in this netherworld where nothing actually happened. Yeah, so they aren't going to blame the management for that. Yeah. They might blame someone else, but they're not going to blame their own yeah. management. No, but, you know, a lot of them, they, the fans echo their team. The arrogance of their fans is quite astonishing as well to think, oh, well, we haven't still not acknowledged that they've done anything wrong. You know, where, where, do you, where, where does this team's moral compass lie? That's what I want to know. Like, their fans don't admit they've done anything. He's wrong. almost keeping a straight face board, here. <laughs> the board and management have have refused to acknowledge they've done anything wrong. They're pitching up to the European Cup games in Munster with a second team and almost laughing about it. 
You know what I mean? It's, they're a joke. They're an absolute joke outfit. You got Sanderson on the sideline laughing during his interviews. He, he's your favourite bloke in the entire world, isn't he? He, as I said last week, is the Phil Neal of rugby. <laughs> Does nothing. Just says gr- yes. He just says yes, boss, to Mark McCall. Yeah, I was going to say that, Mark. Yeah. I was just thinking the same thing, Mark. Do you want a cake? <laughs> Do you remember the, the film Mike Bassett, England manager, with Bradley Walsh yeah. just repeating everything the, the yeah, manager well that, said? Yeah, but that, that, that was a send up of Phil Neal in the 1990s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was yeah. just uh, just giving a reference for those people who might not remember Phil Neal in the 1990 World Cup. I don't know. If I was a fan of theirs, I, I wouldn't be anymore. Put it that way. Interesting take. Absolute um, clown shoes outfit. Let's move on because we can talk about Saracens. Well, we have talked about Saracens at length on many <laughs> on many separate evenings. Um, I didn't actually finish my point about Northampton. Go on in, mate. You finish your point about Northampton. Um, couple of, a, cu- a couple of things about them. Um, they are going to suffer from the same problem that Bristol and um, who did Bristol? London Irish suffered from. They don't have enough big bodies. You don't feel like if they're five metres out, they could throw 30 phases of smashing the ball up one out then then they're not going to score they they're more likely to score from 30 meters than they are from 5 and in big games that's going to be a problem that's not going to get that's not going to get it done they're going to get sorted out by Exeter they'll get sorted out um i mean luckily this year the best they're probably going to have to face is Exeter so i think the way to beat them as Leinster showed, is just to smash him in the face and just keep smashing him in the face over and over and over again. Um, so you're probably going to see, I think you'll see him struggle against Gloucester with that when that full full strength pack gets back. I think you'll see them maybe struggle against Quinns, but that's about it. I mean, they've already beaten Quinns, haven't they? So yeah. Um, there isn't a lot of brute force and ignorance in the Premiership, is there? Let's, let's there it. isn't outside of Saracens and Exeter. And they're the teams I think they'll struggle with. And they're the teams they're going to have to beat to win anything. So, yeah. That's it, mate. That's all I wanted to say. They just lack a bit of lack a bit of beef. Nakarawa would be nice. Yeah. I've heard rumours of a, a verbal of agreement that he's going to go to Glasgow. I mean, it's, considering... It's his old... old manner though isn't it so. yeah but considering he's considering he's been sacked you know, you think that the teams might would be almost clambering over themselves to to go and get him if anybody had any money left yeah well that's the problem everyone is until i mean the, the reason i think sal are interested is because they they could bring him in as a medical what a joker couldn't they because lou diego's injured it's true but uh, uh Oh, Dimes has categorically stated that they're not interested. Yeah, but yeah. he also said it was because it was too cold for him. So yeah. now he's going to Glasgow. He also, he also said that they weren't going to sign Marlon Yard. And who oh. was the other fellow? Well, Chris Ashton. We'll, we'll break, I bet we'll he wishes on, he didn't. We'll come on to Marlon Yard <laughs> in a minute, I think. Um, but we have had a, we have had a comment from uh, our first comment on our Periscape 
from uh, at AD Foxcroft. Oh God, what's um, that stroke I want? <laughs> he's just said, uh, <laughs> "I've I've really got to say this: uh, chocolate oranges are available from Rawlinsons." <laughs> so a little bit of a, a public service announcement there. So Stryker. thanks, Adam. <laughs> Go well. He is a he is a duad and a dossa. Yeah, and a talent <laughs> a talentless shit. Um, let's yeah. They they go to Leinster. Hey, Rosari's back on the bottle. <laughs> um, they go to Leinster this weekend. Doug Northampton. No Johnny Sexton by the looks of things. Who left the game on Saturday with it with a knee injury? <laughs> yeah. We did a number on that fall. <laughs> <laughs> Some somebody wipe him out. Uh, every time he got the ball, yeah. Oh really? It was, it was hilarious. Just... Yeah, he was running around like a little child. Oh, they're hitting me, miss, miss. They're hitting me. Um, yeah, and then he was uh, taken off, which I enjoyed a lot. I mean, I really enjoyed it. Good. And are you? Whilst whilst we're we're talking about games you're attending, are you are you anywhere this weekend? Um, I'm at Alexandra Palace for the next two weeks. Well, apart from a couple of Saturdays for rugby, but yeah, I'm the dart starts this week, so I'm missing this round of European games. Oh, the Ali yeah. Pali. Yeah. Oh. Da, 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 da. Lots, of lots of that. Oi, oi, oi. Yeah. Filming darts for a cloud of cocaine dust. <laughs> Not yours, obviously. Um, Not mine, no. <laughs> disclaimer. You know, there's a. <laughs> I'm not going to say that. Moving on. Moving on. Uh, let's go to uh, the pool with extra and sale. That's one of the main games on Sunday. Um, Let's talk about this for a while. Stuart Hogg made a blistering, uh, blistering start to this game on Saturday, showing what he's really, uh, what what he's made of, and what Exeter have, have got themselves. Um, and then, unfortunately, left the game by landing on the ball and landing on his head when he scored his try. How that? Oh God knows. It was it was it was a fairly freakish um, set of events, wasn't it? Uh, but Sale were kind of their own worst enemies in that in that first twenty minutes, Ben, weren't they? They just they kept making really silly little errors. You know, they they kicked the ball out on the full a couple of times. There was a couple of knock-ons, and they just kept allowing Exeter to to constrict and pressurize them until they they got themselves into a not necessarily unassailable, but into a into a lead that was that was that was pretty easy, easy enough to hold on to in the end. Um, yeah, I thought, you know, Hogg showed really why Exeter signed him. Um, I think that was really with an eye on Europe. Um, I think in previous years, they've sort they've just not been able to break open some of the better teams in Europe and they wanted someone, you know, really creative and, and they've spent a lot of money to get Hogg there. And, you know, he made one try and scored the other from distance. And I mean, his that step was was something different, wasn't it? He just he literally sent him to another country. Yeah, yeah. and and the most obvious yellow card you've ever seen in your life for the uh, yeah. penalty try. Um, so you know that showed you know he was a, a shrewd buy. I think you know they've got no um, problems with their commitment, no problems with their work rate, but you know they just needed a bit of something extra to to break open the very best defenses. Um, that's certainly not to say sales was the best defense on the day. Um, you know, on the, on the wings, there was a, a lot of revolving door going on. 
which was, you know, some of the mistakes you mentioned. There was some bad box kicking. Um, once they got their act together, they they kind of played well. But, you know, they're a good side at home, so Exeter probably shouldn't have expected to roll over them. And I think Exeter just always had a advantage in the in the power stakes. You know, Cow and Dickey, it seemed to take two or three men to bring him down every time. You had the, the same from even, even people like Slade were very hard to bring down. And um, I think Exeter probably would feel not comfortable, but feel that they should have won that game. And, and obviously they did. Um, again, I don't think they've hit their stride this season. I think they've maybe, yeah, they, 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 maybe they're almost feeling like us. It's, it's been a bit disjointed. Um, you know, a few of them have been away at the World Cup. There's a few new faces in there, isn't there? Um, you know, Simmons is still a handful uh, from eight. Um, but they just don't look quite like they've hit their straps yet, which is no bad thing at this type, stage of the season if they're, if they're, if they're winning games. Um, I mean, they're three from three, aren't they, in Europe, which is, which is probably the best start yeah. they've had to a to European campaign. Um quite the battle between Kawadiki and Van der Merwe, wouldn't it? They they liked coming up against each other. Yeah. I, 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 I hated that penalty for the... The high tackle? Yeah. Hated it. Oh, see, I, I thought that was I thought that was a pretty good decision. Um, you know, he, he got it really wrong, didn't he? Just got his it, tackle it, wrong. It was the phrase, you touched the head a little bit. Yeah. But they talked about it on comms, didn't they? It's just that's the type of upright tackle that they're trying to to get rid of. They're trying to to rid the game of that of that style of tackle, because aren't they? they? Because the people that make the rules hate rugby. I think as as a tackler, you don't want to be tackling like that anyway, though, because it it he stood probably more chance than Cowan Dickey of getting hurt. He threw his chin at him basically. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to get to wound up about a pe- uh, you know just a penalty if they if they'd have carded him for it i think it would have been grossly yeah. unfair but you know as as penalties go i mean he did crack him a little bit in the jaw a bit albeit with his own jaw but you know i, I didn't mind that too much i thought both of them played really well um you know bryn evans is a, is a handful um even though they're short of second rows he's a, um, they're, they're two big lumps of meat aren't they Bryn evans and james phillips in, well, in phillips the second is row this, isn't he? Jesus um christ van van rensburg seems to have he's, he's still a big unit but he seems to have sort of trimmed up a little bit i was gonna um, say doug you saw him last year and you you said that he'd been eating all the buffets all the buffets yeah they've just been hammering probably pete's hut buffet buffet lunch not the so, steam tray, not the steam tray, Rohan. No. <laughs> um, is there is there one of those in sale? Pizza Hut, I should imagine. Uh, well, oh. it's Manchester, and it? there's loads of them. It's right near the Trafford Centre. I think we're we're all missing the lead here, though. What on earth is that extra kit about? What the the per, the light? Is it lilac? What what should, the, what, the, the purple it? kit with a light, light purple kit with the socks that don't match any part of the kit. You know, the shorts that are too short. It just uh... the, the video ref referred to it as mauve jokes, absolute <laughs> jokes. It, it's uh, the worst kit I've ever seen. Um, we do talking of worst we've ever seen. We do need to talk about Marlon Yard as well, don't we? Yes, I think uh, I think we do. 
Yeah. I also want to say that the the touch judge was calling. Pe- we need. Can we talk about the scrum first, though? Yeah, the the scrummages at the end. The, in there, the last there couple were of a minutes. lot of scrums in that game where on the ref mic you could hear the touch judge saying move, 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 or blue, 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 and the referee ignored it. Now, I don't know if that was a communication issue, but I could well, hear it. And if yeah. the, the touch judge is calling in that it's a penalty, but then ignoring it. You need to know why, um, but it definitely seemed like the touch judge was trying to signal penalties, and they weren't going uh, that way. So was, was I, he just fed up of scrums? Because I think one of them took nearly four and a half minutes. Didn't it, it was something's got to be done, Ben. Like I know they referenced it in in commentary, but mate, the the whole focus of all the tackle regulations and all this kind of stuff and you know game day experience and whatnot if you want new people to come to rugby shit like that needs to stop but they just they need to stop guessing for one yeah what they should be uh, at sale because it's a rugby league ground as well as a shot clock at either end for when they when the ball's out of play or in a scrum you've got a certain amount of time to get the play restarted so what should happen is and it's the simplest way and i don't know why nobody else has mentioned this as soon as the referee calls for a scrum the shot clock goes on you've got 15 seconds to set your scrum if it's not set in 15 seconds penalty to the opposition or free kick to the opposition okay because what they're doing now there's a they all go they, they scrum goes up in the middle you've got 25 seconds of forwards cleaning their boots then you've got another 15 seconds while the forward while the front row get their binds then you've got another 10 seconds of the second row getting their binds then you've got another 10 seconds of the back row getting their binds then you've got the referee crouch in hold uh, crouch touch engage and the whole thing takes nearly a minute shot clock on if your scrum isn't set and ready to go in the crouch after 15 or 20 seconds free kick against you Hmm, makes sense. Um, it just what gets me more than anything is, like you just said, is about the guesswork. So in the last five minutes of that game, Sale were were dominating the game. They were what were they seven? No, so they were they scored a converted try, didn't they? And it was twenty two twenty. So they were ten points behind, or not a uh, nine points behind. And they Ben Moon got yellow yellow carded. They were they looked dominant. Alec Hepburn came back on. They had a reset scrum, and then all of a sudden, penalty to Exeter for what looked like exactly the same reason for the scrum going down than, than what it was previously. And your point about the the touch judge saying, you know blue 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 move 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 whatever um he was he called he was calling those he was calling those to um the whatever his name is it gozion gozion the, the, yeah doesn't matter yeah but he was he was calling it yeah but i think it was cowan dickey had already said to him hadn't he, hadn't he he was like why has this suddenly started happening so again, he put a bit of doubt in his mind, you know, that, I mean, you don't, 
it could have been something completely different from that distance. The referee is the closest. But again, when they don't really explain what's going on, then it, it's, it is hard for, for the neutral to, to know what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just think they've got to get, they've got to get this sorted out because it's boring and people don't turn up to watch reset scrums. They turn up to watch scrums happening. Don't get me wrong. I, I like that element of the game. Uh, you know, it's got to remain, but the, the procrastination and time wasting that goes on, you know, that if you, if there's a knock on with three minutes in the game left, you know, there's going to be a collapse. You know, there's going to be some way that you can milk out another minute yeah. and a half off the clock. And that's got to stop. And I think the only way you can do it is to say, you need to be set up within it or do it. Rugby, rugby league, uh, as soon as one set of forwards is formed up and ready to scrummage, the clock stops. So you can't just waste time. Because I reckon that you lost 10, maybe 15 minutes of that game to reset scrums. That, that's just, it's, you know, it's not on. People pay, people pay money to watch rugby, not 15 minutes of people standing around picking mud off their boots. Well, and, and what you said just a, a second ago is, is one of the most annoying things in rugby is when you've got, say, seven minutes to go and there's a, like, like you say, there's a knock-on and then that takes four of those seven minutes out of the game. Um, it, it's weird because neither team seem to try and hurry it up, do they? Yeah. You know, both sets of forwards are all happy to just sort of amble into it and let, nobody sets a pace. And I wonder if, if one team just got set up right we're ready to go come on sir get them going get them going whether that would force the issue but the fact that both teams sort of stand and mill about they had a bit of a discussion like this on on the egg chasers last night about rules that they could bring in and i think like that's yeah early early doors it was Have i just repeat a load of stuff that they've said and now it seems like i'm just nicking their ideas no 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 it no, that wasn't one of the things that was said what they had a an early segment just it, they talked about sort of some rule changes that pe- that people would suggested that could be brought in um somewhere serious somewhere but not so but like a a scrum clock or whatever would would make That's sense. Basically, what I just said, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But th- that, thought, that like... wasn't one of the things that was suggested last right. night. Is what I was trying to say. Oh, it I was see, just right. a similar. It was a, a an ad- addition to the game which could be put in. I, th- I thought it was interesting what Doug said about the if one once one side is formed up, then the others have got to you know respond to it, or the or the, you know they've they've got to just sort of get into the scrum as soon as the first team is set up. And I wonder if that could sort of bring in, like, you know, like a, a light pack, you know, almost like a no huddle offense in American football and just yeah. get to the spot and, and force the others to, you know, scrum yeah, with that's seven. What they, that's what they do scrum. in league. They, they yeah. just, if they're trailing late in the game, the first seven players that are at the scrum will just form up and make the scrum to stop the clock. So that that can't that time can't be wasted by a team, you know, ambling to a scrum. That again, it seems like a perfectly feasible idea. So, uh, Brett Gosper, if you're listening, we know you're a regular regular listener. Um, he's he's going to get so many ideas off this podcast, isn't he? I mean, it's not very entertaining tonight, but there's some good ideas on it. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it might be entertaining to some people. Who knows? Um, Let, 
No, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough, mate. Um, let's just talk about the last pool. To, uh, pool five is Toulouse. Uh, they beat Connacht. No, Gloucester beat Connacht, didn't they? See, look, you know, I said that it was entertaining. Toulouse beat Montpellier uh, and Gloucester beat Connacht at King's Home. If there's anyone um, out there that fancies hosting a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you're more you know than welcome. Mate, you're more than welcome to host it if you want. Oh, I'd rather just keep taking the piss out of you, mate. Thought so. Standard procedure there. Um, but there was, there was, oh, what, what, that was, uh, what, uh, what, what was a, that, mate? Um, a 12 year old Lagavulin. Was it a 12, was it? Yeah, with a uh, rather nice inscription on the back. So, no, I can't. What does it say? Happy 40th birthday, Daddy. Lots of love, oh. Ollie and Georgie. I've got no idea how they managed to buy that. Or they're six and eight. But but they did manage to scratch that lovely message into the back of the bottle. I know. Beautiful writing as well. Those calligraphy classes weren't a waste of money. <laughs> Oh, you're so middle class. <laughs> um, yeah, there, there was a moment in this game. Um, Gloucester, Gloucester have got some very good players, but they seem to to struggle when it really counts. They they do a lot of pretty fancy stuff and run the ball around and and do the lovely nice moves. But actually, when when it comes to the crunch and they've got to to knuckle down and get it done. They often struggle. And at times against Connacht yesterday, I felt that I just felt that they, they struggled to really take hold of the game and, and get it done. It was just, you know, whether that's just a, a story of, of the way Gloucester play at the moment or the way the Gloucester have played over the last God knows how many years. They just got, turned over again and again in the Connacht 22 didn't they um there was probably two or three in a sort of five minute stretch where they just got right down to the line a couple of times and Aki came in with a couple of turnovers and a a couple more and you know they should perhaps have put the game to bed by half time and they didn't and you had Atkinson getting hit by a sniper oh that was uh, that was funny as he went through and you know that's happened, that's, that's happened to the best of us, isn't it? Yeah, the scrum half could have walked in, couldn't he? But, you know, I thought after the second half, they, they obviously they got that um, interception, which really helped. Um, you know, I thought Cipriani played pretty well, but, you know, these people online who think he's like a cross between every fly half you know, every good piece of every fly half of all time. It's 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 crazy. Like he shanked that kick and it's uh, like Yeah. Oh uh, he, he meant he meant to dribble that across the entire defensive line just out from his own try line. It was it's, you know if, if you think that Danny Cipriani meant that kick for one split second, get in the sea. <laughs> Tight headlocks. That's what that is. It's a it's a trendy <laughs> thing to say. Yes, yeah, yeah. Well, what is? I didn't know what a fucking tight head lock was two weeks ago. When Ali came on and was talking about tight head locks, I was like, what? Don't you just put the two tall fellas there? <laughs> um, yeah, there's no way he meant that. No way. You, you, you know, it was 
I think he probably tried to adjust his kick maybe a little bit uh, because it looked like it was going to get charged down, but he certainly wasn't intending to do what actually transpired. You know, it was, it was the, the, if he was, it was the riskiest thing ever. And he, it, uh, if he's dropped next week, we might know why. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the guy's a good player, but I just think anyone that thinks he would have made a difference to the, to the World Cup campaign, I think they're pretty deluded, to be honest. And, you know, he, he can do a lot of things that other players can't, but that kick isn't one of them. Well, it just that kick, that kick has never been a thing, has it? It's just, it's not a genius move. It's a, it's a left foot shank. Yeah. That's all it is. In fact, it wasn't a shank, was it? It was, it, I suppose it was technically a snap hook, Doug. Yeah. Yeah. Because a shank would have, a shank would have been off the other side of the, uh, off the other it side of the off boot. the hosel, isn't it? The other way. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I think we just need to stop talking about Danny Cipriani, really, until he starts playing well. He's not playing well at all, is he? Stop trying to make it happen. It's not going to happen. Trying too hard. Bit, yeah. bit, of a, bit of a try hard. No, no, I'm talking about everyone else. Just stop oh. trying to make it happen. He's never going to... You're never going to meet him. <laughs> um, yeah, I think he's, uh, his, his race is run. I think he should pop off to Japan or somewhere and earn a shitload of money. Probably shitload more money. Shitload more money. You know what we never did? Um, just, just getting back to it. We never talked about Marlon Yard's dick arms. Oh, no, we didn't. You're right. <laughs> or or the fact that he failed to score that try. Or yeah. or the fact that he... he... got punched by Chris Ashton. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or the fact he is a human saloon door. <laughs> you know, take, take your pick, Marlon. Yeah. I'm honest. But, you know, when you talk about sale and, and their ability to compete financially, we can, uh, yeah. you know, we can, we can start to take them a little bit more seriously. Fair, it looks like it looks it looks like Denny Solomon has started eating the food that Van Rensburg isn't. <laughs> <laughs> bro, are you going to eat that? No, bro. I'm out of it. Oh, Denny. Denny is is moved to America and eaten lots of Denny's. Do you think the manager of the Pizza Hut? It, it was it was like he saw Van Rensburg. Like he didn't see him for a couple of weeks. Yeah, and and he was like, I need to get another platinum card. Who can I pick on? And, no, and I, just, I reckon basically just, what happened was Rohan went in there and went, "Look, bro, I'm telling you, I can't eat any more pizza." <laughs> But I'm telling you, I found someone you can. And then he's got Denny over there. And he's like, yeah, bro, I'll have all your pizza. Like that. And so... Um, wow. If, if he's not going to eat that, bro, I'll eat it. And, um, yeah. Stuff crust the lot. Can Can you go back to, uh, back to Rohan again, please? <laughs> <laughs> Just want you to talk, talk more Rohan van Jensburg. Johan van Rensburg, because that was really special. <laughs> no. I'm not, I'm not performing seal, Russ. <laughs> okay, mate. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. <laughs> Brew. Pyrotechnics. <laughs> this pizza is lacquer. Oh wow! Yeah. Right. Um. Let's let's shift on. Um. 
we're not going to talk about the Challenge Cup, are we? Because we don't care oh, until I guess to the. Looking forward about talking about <laughs> NSI. Oh. Wiggle, wiggle, wiggle. Have, you got, have you got any? Have you got? Have you got any church bells to put in that pregnant pause there? <laughs> I thought I, I thought I'd just leave you to to try and fill it. Yeah, that's yeah, fine. No problem. Um, I tell you what, let's because this has been such a shit show, but it has been a, an hour's worth of shit show. Let's uh, let's get into many other business. Um, Doug, what have you got, if anything? Um, I did have something. Ben, you go. Um, well, I just wanted to pick you guys on something you said about me last week. I went to a pop concert. That's fine. But you said I wasn't cool, um, which is true. Um, but the only man less cool than me stood right in front of me. <laughs> right. And he was, he was a man of a certain age, roughly mine. Um, but he was trying to impress some girls that were there with him and he was dancing around and I had a fresh two pinter right in my hand. And I was like, he's going to knock this out of my hand in a minute. And, uh, I had to move in the end. I was like, how do I get stuck behind that one guy? And there was another guy there, his mate. He had a, um, New York cosmos. Cosmos. 1970s. Cosmos. (laughs) Can I have a cosmopolitan please? I thought it was Cosmos, <laughs> as in, like, the galaxy. That was New York Cosmos, wasn't it? Yeah, it's Cosmopolitans. Well, whatever. But he obviously thought he was some kind of hipster. So those two guys were less cool than me. So there you go. Did he, did he have a pair of Adidas gazelles on as well? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you know you want it. <laughs> <laughs> Nibble. Um, Go on, Russ. I was, I was going to talk about uh, boxing. Anthony Joshua and uh, Andrew Ruiz. There was there was a lot of uh, comments on Facebook, and you know, I watched the fight on Saturday night, and I genuinely thought it was a, a bit of a boxing masterclass from Joshua, and in how to win a fight or how to win a world title back, or however you want you want to call it. Yet there are lots of people who perhaps don't watch a lot of boxing. I'm not saying that I'm any sort of expert, but. That that just expect that in every single boxing match, they just stand there, go toe to toe with each other, and try and knock each other out. And if people think that Tyson Fury is going to knock Anthony Joshua out, you are seriously, seriously deluded, because Tyson Fury, well, he's punched himself in the face if you've ever seen that video, and that didn't work. Um, it just. Yeah, fair play, Anthony Joshua. You've proved a lot of doubt was wrong. Um, and you put in one of the most comprehensively ultimate all-round boxing performances that, that I've seen in, in quite a while. So so fair play. Boxing is about not getting hit, scoring points, ultimately. It, it's the same with most sports now, isn't it? People equate points with entertainment. So that's why you get rule changes in rugby, in cricket, in football, to encourage more points, more action. And it's not always the case that that's what wins you uh, games. Look at England's batting at the moment. I just think, you know, they, they, each sport's trying to bring in casual viewers, aren't they? So you've got a few of them there making their comments on Twitter, I'm sure, when it comes to the boxing. 
I think you can look at it one of two ways. You can look at those people and go, oh, God, you don't know anything. But you could also look at the people that are saying you don't know anything and go, God, you're so up your own ass." You know what I mean? You, you, yeah, forget, you, you forget Russ has done a bit of boxing, though, isn't he? Oh, uh, well, yeah, I forgot he's a pugilist specialist, isn't he? I, I, I'm one of them, mate. I bet you looked a bit like El Ruiz when you were boxing, mate. Everyone's oh, got wow. a plan until they get punched in the face by Russ, and then they realise <laughs> that their plan, plan's probably too elaborate. <laughs> um, you're a prick, mate. And uh, <laughs> but just to just to add in to some to more any other business, some sad news is the uh, the sad passing of Bob Willis, the England cricket legend and uh, the voice of the debate on Sky Sports. He, the unsung hero of that. Um, Famous Headingley Ashes win in eighty one, you know, taking eight wickets to win England the match after it had been set up by both of them. All of the talk, all of the, all of the, the fury, fury was about both of them, and you know, quite rightly, he he was immense in that in that Test match and in that series. But what Bob Willis did and the the last wicket in that match, which was a a middle stump Yorker to get rid of of, of the Aussie batsman, was an absolute joy. He was he was funny. He was one of the biggest England supporters, you know, going on on television. But he was always honest, and and he was extremely entertaining on the debate. Uh, and I believe he sadly passed away from prostate cancer. So uh, rest in peace, Big Bob. It's uh, it's a sad time. I couldn't believe it when that happened last week. So it was it was pretty sad. Agreed. There you go, Doug. Finish us off. Yeah. So two things. Um, I went to see a mutual friend of mine and Russ's um, at the weekend, Andy, who we were in the Air Force with, who's a great bloke. But it just sort of um, made me want to say, and this is, you know, it's getting towards Christmas and uh, a little bit of a festive message. If you've got a mate that you haven't spoken to in a long time or you've lost touch with, just give them a bell because um, you never know. They might. Bring some joy and entertainment to your life. So if you've got a mate out there you haven't spoken to for a while, give him a bell. Um, I don't know if he I, does. He ever listen to this, Uncle Holmes? Or I not? don't think I don't think so, to be honest. But I've I've you know, I about once every sort of eight months or so, I get a drunk phone call from him when he's been out, and I always look forward to it. We never laugh. Um, I'm not always the best at keeping in touch with people, um, and maybe I should try a bit harder. But you know, I think. Uh, be the first person to make the move. If you haven't spoken to a pal for a while, give him a bell. Um, and the other thing was, I haven't done the Long Snapper podcast for a while, which um, I was a founder member of and really enjoyed doing for a while. And then sort of things changed and I um, sort of stepped away from it. But I've I've listened to it for the last month or so without being a part of it. And I'm really enjoying it. They've got a couple of new lads on there are doing a great job. And... Um, it's nice to know that it's still going and it's going well. So well done, fellas. If any of you listen to this, um, I'm enjoying it and it's good fun. So keep it up. Nice one, mate. This this podcast was really good last week as well. Oh, thanks, mate. It and is, now, it, isn't it good when, when you're not on it, as in not you, say, as in me, or as uh, in <laughs> when you listen to it, when you listen to it and you're not on it? I find that with, with all podcasts that I don't appear on. And I tend to appear on quite a few. On all podcasts, I'm not on. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Every single podcast. 
Um, yeah, I, I was going to say I've come back and this one's been a shambles. So that's that's my fault because of this stupid streaming thing. It probably yeah, no, is probably not even work. If we're going to stream it, we should probably maybe do a bit of planning. Yes, so mate. We don't look like dicks. Yeah, that's fine. But we'll we'll think about that next time. And, yeah. uh Well, let's and see maybe... how many people actually have a look at the stream, mate. Because if no one's watching it, there's no point doing it. No, true. Um, we'll be back next week. Doug, well, you won't. You're at the darts. Does it I'm start? Yeah, so uh, next Monday, I don't think I'm about, but you boys will do a, a great job in my stead. Well, it's we're probably back. not much point me being on the podcast until after Christmas because I won't have time to watch any rugby anyway. So we'll be we'll be back anyway. Um, having watched some rugby and sticking, we promise to stick to the regular Monday night schedule as and when time allows. And uh, yeah, it's been fun. Um, Doug and Ben, thank you very much. I will see you soon. And uh, yeah, go well. Go well. Sports Social Podcast Network.